You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Appreciate you all Colts fans tuning in here as another Monday night matchup awaits the Colts this week as the Chargers enter Lucas Oil Stadium for the final battle of this week in the NFL. December 26th, the day after Christmas, we'll preview the matchup with an injury update. Keys to the game, we'll make our predictions. But first, we begin with the news, and there is significant news this week out of West 56th Street, and that is the Colts are making a second quarterback change in as many months. Matt Ryan going to the bench. Nick Foles, this time, going to be the starter. So it's been Ryan, Ellinger, Ryan, and we're back to Nick Foles, or for the first time, Nick Foles. And, uh, Chap, I think I was a little surprised by this move just because if they were going to make a quarterback change, I assumed it would have been a week or two before. But nevertheless, when you just take it uh, irrelevant of time with the way that things are going and with Matt Ryan's contract situation, uh, his benching is overall not, not as surprising. You would agree? Yeah, I, I, and again, the contract, you know, if it, the the extra seventeen million and all that, I it might have factored some. I think they finally decided that 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 they had to make a move because he simply wasn't able to play the position at a winning level. You were there. I mean, make make two two plays. I was two there. Plays, two it plays against the Vikings. It was, yes, it was very memorable. Sorry, chap. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but yes, you're right. Make any any as much as the defense deserves to be piled on, and it needs to. Thirty three points and then twenty two points and all that. Make make two plays, you know. And I'm not talking fourth and one. I'm talking two plays early in the half, second half. You know, can extend a drive, and it got to the point that Matt Ryan simply wasn't making the plays. Either wasn't making or couldn't make the plays. I don't know how you want to do it, but there was zero threat, even medium downfield, and defenses just were crowding the line, which makes it virtually impossible to run your offense. So, you know, the idea is that Nick Foles is going to give him the ability to throw the ball like a normal offense does. And I'm telling you right now, it, it – if, if, and Joe's the gambler guy. If the over-under in sacks is four, I'm taking the over because these guys are going to try to throw the ball down the field. And that means holding the ball a tick later, and that means sacks. But back, back they had to make a move. The only question in my mind would have been Ellinger or Foles, and Foles gives him a chance, and Joe, I, I know you don't want him to have a chance. You want that draft pick to be as choice as possible, but Foles probably gives him the best chance to win short term, which is means this week. And and that's exactly Joe what what Jeff Saturday's thinking. I mean, he he wants the job. He wants to be head coach of the Indianapolis Colts next year. So for him to make a decision that he feels is best for the team and to win a couple games, even though some fans might not want that, they might want all losses the rest of the year to ensure that top five pick. I completely understand where Jeff Saturday is coming from. Yeah, no one in that locker room is no. gives a hoot about a draft nope. pick. I mean, they're playing for their jobs right now, either jobs here or jobs elsewhere. Um, so I, I understand the move. Me and Mike talked about it on Monday. We kind of questioned if a quarterback change would come and kind of came to the conclusion that, well, you know, unless the Colts want to play out the definition of insanity and just keep sticking with the same thing that's not working, they kind of had to make a change. We already saw under, let's get Foles out there and see what he can do. I mean, he, I agree he probably gives them the best chance, but I'm not sure how great that chance is. I, I would agree with that. Chap? Yeah, what, what's really crazy, and it's in totally keeping with this season, we, you know, we've got we've got an interim head coach who's never been a coach at this level or you know other, above high school. We've got Parks Frazier who's calling plays for the first time, and we had Sam Ellinger make his first career start, and now we've got Nick Foles, who has taken two. You were there, took two, has taken two snaps this year, both in Jacksonville. I was there so, for that too. Yes. So you, you're you're just a historical anomaly guy, 
And and Nick Foles has taken, prior to Wednesday, has taken zero snaps with the ones. He said, it'll be nice to get out there and throw with our guys. Because yeah. <laughs> he hasn't done it. So it, it, it's just crazy how they have put people in positions to fail. They just have. And I... I'm not saying that's where Foles is a little different because he has played the position and, you know, as a backup, starter slash backup, you know, sometimes you're the starter and sometimes you come off the bench and you have to kind of wing it. And so, so he'll be able to do that. But it is just crazy how this season, offensively, not defensively, but offensively, how they've had to adapt to some really crazy situations. Right you are. And the, the latest situation is going to bring the Super Bowl 52 MVP under center. And, and since, since the beginning of training camp, I, I have, we, we've been out there, Mike, so much. We've watched practices. Nick Foles has always had the most live arm, always had the strongest arm, the most NFL arm, uh, passing to the, uh, the, the hash marks, to, to the, those 10-yard out routes. Like, it gets there the fastest. He's been most willing to go down the field in 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 drills, uh, more so than Ellinger, more so than Matt Ryan, unquestionably so. Um, Maybe during during training camp, Ryan certainly went down the field more than he has during the season because he couldn't get touched at that point, and it's it's quite the opposite right now as he's getting taken to the ground about every other uh, other time he drops back to pass, it seems like. So um, it's, it's, it's inarguable that that Nick Foles has the strongest arm of the bunch. So I, I'm eagerly awaiting to see what happens. I really think that this Colts offense can be more dangerous. But at the same time, this happens at a horrible time for the Colts offense because they take one step forward and perhaps two steps backward as Jonathan Taylor goes on injured reserve for the entire rest of the season. In 11 games this year, Taylor is going to finish the season with 861 rushing yards, averaging four and a half yards per carry. Only four touchdowns after that stellar season a year ago. Finishes with 28 catches for 143 yards. Chap, I think very much an underrated storyline from last week in Minnesota, which I saw. Brutal. By by the way, we'll we'll rabbit trail here for a second. My games this year, my three games. You're a curse. I I legitimately might be because I went to this Minnesota game. Of course, the Jacksonville game earlier and another game that they scored uh, no touchdowns. That I forget which which game was that? You weren't the at the Denver game. game Denver? No, I wasn't at the Denver game. What chap? Yeah, I was wondering if it was the Denver game. No, it wasn't Denver for me. Um, I was at. Well, I I can't even remember. It's been it's been that bad. New England of a season. Yeah, it's New, New England. England. Of course, that's ah. it. Thank you. Um, and then it dates back even to the abomination to end the year last year in Jacksonville. They lost so twenty. The, so, the, so this is a you issue. It it might be that they lost twenty six to eleven, and it really wasn't that close. But I've seen, this year, I've seen one offensive touchdown in my three road games that I've gone on, and it was here against Minnesota just the other week on a really short drive because the defense totally set them up for success. So, Well, and, and keep in mind, when we go back to, to, to making the change, I have never, I hate, to say, I hate to use the word never, but I've never seen a game where a team scores 36 points and you get one offensive touchdown. So, and again, it's it's to tell you where this season is. This will be the third time since 1998 that they've started three quarterbacks in a season. It's never a good thing. No, when you start three quarterbacks, so you know it, it, it's I'm I'm cur- I'm very curious how they play Monday. I, I think protection has been better. Of course, I'm grading that against early in the year when it was atrocious. But I, there were so many times recently, understandably, to where Matt Ryan felt pressure sometimes when it wasn't there, sometimes when it wasn't as bad as he thought it was going to be. And I don't want to start making this a t- this week or next week a pile on Matt Ryan. Again, I think they did him no, ser- no service this year by how the offensive line played. But... As a quarterback, you have to be able to stand in there and and deal with the pressure and at least attempt to push the ball down the field. Michael Pittman Jr. 
10 catches for thir- for 60 yards. I mean, and some of them were those, were those bubble screens, which were like zero or minus. So I just want to see – I just want to see the offense show some life. You just can't run three yards, three yards, and and then either a completion or an incompletion on on third down. So, and you're again, like you said, I you look back at that Vikings game. Jonathan Taylor might have lit those guys up. He might have really, really had a day, because that's how bad that defense was. I can't say I even remotely expect Deion Jackson or Zach Moss. Or Jordan Wilkins, maybe Jordan Wilkins is your starting is your starting running back <laughs> Monday night. But losing JT, which makes total sense, it's a high ankle sprain. Best case, he's back in I don't know two weeks, three weeks, three weeks probably. It's it's not worth it. No, absolutely not. So so he's done for the year, and you're you're going to see what what these other guys can do in their stead. And you you go from a guy averaging four and a half yards per carry down to a group that's probably averaging more like three and a half. So. Um, that, that that run game, Joe, that that certainly could have helped Nick Foles. Is you, you can't bank on it for all that much right now. Yeah, it's going to be on him. You, you can't go out there and be like, let's rely on JT. We got a quarterback making his first start of the year. It's going to be on Nick Foles. And I mean, I, I think Zach Moss and Deion Jackson, Jordan Wilkins are all as a group capable of doing some solid things. Um, but nothing that compares to what Jonathan Taylor gives you, where he can just take a bad play and single-handedly make something out of it. Nick, no, sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ahead. you are done. I, I was just going to talk about Nick Foles' career, which has been really a remarkable career, I think. I, he's drafted way back when uh, to he fill ha- it up. He, he has a statue. He does. There's If there's a statue to you, I mean, that's pretty darn good. Uh, you want Philly Philly? Darn right. That, that and, and that... It goes down in infamy in Philadelphia. It earned him a nickname that I probably shouldn't say on the air here, which I won't. Um, but he's a legend there. And even before that, in his second year in the league, way back playing for Chip Kelly's Eagles, he had a season where he was a pro bowler and had 27 touchdown passes to just, just two interceptions. And then he went uh, kind of around the block a little bit here and there, going to Kansas City, going to Jacksonville, going to um, – Excuse me, going to the Chicago Bears the last few years. Uh, since winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles, the uh, 2017 season, uh, he's appeared in 20 games. He has a 7-10 and 10 record as a starter, uh, which, which guys, 7-10 and 10 might actually win the AFC South this year, <laughs> stupidly enough. Uh, the Colts enter this week with the chance to make the playoffs. As we tape this podcast on Thursday, the Colts still have a chance, like 0.2%, stupidly to make the playoffs like nine games have to go in their favor and none of them are outlandish the Colts except, have, except for the Colts winning exactly except for the Colts winning all three of theirs to, to finish the season good thank you for for correcting me there chap but uh but but that that's where the Colts are right now and and to me you look at that fact that the Colts still have a playoff chance here with how dismal this season has been and I I look back on just decisions that have been made this year to that 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 have put them in this position and it's just frustrating like one or two games here that go the opposite direction one rodrigo blankenship kick in week one but then of course he's probably still your kicker if he makes that kick and you don't have chase mclaughlin who's sitting 50 yards left and right you you make that you don't have a, the epic collapse you make a fourth and one play in minneapolis you're you're that much better you're uh, Stephon Gilmore is able to knock a ball away from Terry McLaurin inside the five yard line, and you're that much better. Eagles game. The Eagles game. You're you you stop Jalen Hurts on on one of those QB sneaks for for a loss. You're that much better. Like just mistakes, small ones that have added up over the season, and and there have just been these minute you think details during a game that have come back to haunt them right now in the situation they are in because because chap. The Titans have no desire to take this division right now with the way that they've been playing. The Jaguars actually seem to want to keep playing into January. Uh, they're the only ones right now in the AFC South. So so, so, so to be honest, I, I hope that they can come back and they can win the division because, they, because they're the ones that earn it right now. They're the ones that deserve it. Trevor Lawrence is playing really, really good football. I would love to see him in the playoffs, see what he could do. Uh, it would just be the most fun brand of football, I think, when it comes to that, uh, what, what we get out of this uh, this Playing tonight division. on the national stage. Exactly. They're playing the Jets tonight. So who knows if you're listening to this podcast Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when you're snowed in, wherever you are in central Indiana or beyond. Uh, stay safe this week, by the way for sure 
uh, hope you're enjoying yourselves and your family this holiday season. And uh, anyway, with back to uh, the the AFC South scenario, yeah, chap, I, this it, it it's just under the puts the Colts under the microscope further. That just a little bit of improvement could have improved their postseason fortunes exponentially. What drives these people at the Colts complex, the higher ups, absolutely crazy, is everything. Everything was done during the offseason, the preseason, training camp, all that, to win the division. And and you open with, with Houston, you open with Jacksonville and Tennessee to come, and they do what they did. That, that that's And right now, as it's played out, this division, it's begging somebody to win. It just is. And it, it, it's, like I said, it's crazy when you look at the scenarios and you know, it's actually doable. The point two percent isn't, but 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 what needs to happen? You can see, I can see that happening. Except you can't see the Colts winning three games. But go back when they were three. Was it three, two, and one, or after the Tennessee game? I think three, three, and one when they made the change to Ellinger. You know, what if they had gone? You know, what if, what if, what what if they had gone to Foles back then? Like you said, we're not talking with with. Let's say all the flaws are still there, uh, the, you know, primarily the the offensive line. But it, we're not talking about making twelve off the chart plays. We're talking three or four plays to where just do your job and and convert or stop whatever, and the division is right there. It is right there, and. Like you said, Tennessee's, you know, in, in free fall. And I saw Tannehill's out for this week, and it, there's been reports he might be done for the season. Trevor Lawrence, I tell you, we we may be seeing the future of the AFC South in Jacksonville. And I, and I know Jacksonville has, has kind of fooled us and pulled the rug out from under us so many times in the past. But they look like they might be the real deal. They've got a quarterback who's playing well. They've got a legitimate coach who has a quarterback background. They've got young talent on both sides. Now, maybe they go out and lay an egg. The weather's supposed to be pretty crappy tonight, but but I like what they've done. And when you look about moving ahead, they've got what everyone else doesn't. They've got a quarterback. You know, the Colts have zero future, you know, ideas at quarterback. Well, you got ideas what you want to do, but you got no idea who it is. Houston's going to have the number one pick, but who knows? And Tennessee, you don't know. Tannehill is probably about done, and you don't know about their rookie quarterback. So good for Jacksonville, but shame on these guys for for turning this season into something that no one even remotely anticipated. Other roster moves for the Colts this week. They have waived defensive end Efedi Odenibo. And this really comes under the microscope, Joe, after he blocked a punt last week, had a sack against Minnesota for the season, has 12 tackles in eight games, three and a half sacks, uh, has been a a major contributor on the defensive line. And we all know how much Gus Bradley slash Chris Ballard as GM want to build up a defensive line depth and have a rotation there that's solid. He has been a contributor on that defensive line rotation all season long. And now he is uh, he's on the streets. Yeah, this one was shocking to me. He he really stepped up after Taekwon Lewis went down and started to see a lot more snaps every game. He's been getting to the quarterback. He got to the punt, contributing on special teams. So I failed to understand the rationale of this decision. They did claim linebacker Cameron McGrone off New England's practice squad. Lawrence Central represent Cameron McGrone. So, you know, maybe they just think something of this linebacker, but I, I – I, I don't get shedding your defensive in-depth, especially a guy who was contributing. Yeah, Chap, if you want to get after a quarterback down the stretch, you're going to have to do it without a Denebo. Yeah, there, there, there is – I can't go into great detail. There, there is something there. This is, this is something of a discipline issue. I'll, I'll sort of have to leave it at that. Where there's, there, there have been a few uh, – uh, discipline issues that they're trying to rectify and this is one of them nothing serious but enough to where it shouldn't be happening to any team let alone a team that's struggling so that that's why yes it's shocking but when i found out kind of what was behind it then i understood it 
I, I know that clouds it, but there there was a reason to cut him. Yeah, thanks for even for, further pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. But but nevertheless, you, you, you say what you can. We, we get it. We get it. Hey, the Colts also signed tight end Dominique Daphne uh, to the practice squad this week. So. And a few pro bowlers. Yeah, I forgot the pro. Well. I forgot the pro bowlers too. There we go. Throw them in there. Pro pro, pro bowler singular, right? Yes, one pro bowler, and that is Quentin Nelson. Uh, makes it into the Pro Bowl uh, for the fifth time in his five seasons. The first Colt ever to to make the Pro Bowl in each of his first five seasons. Uh, congrats to Quentin, who is having what what is certainly a below average season for his expectations or for his uh, his own standards. But he has nevertheless uh, earned that that fifth Pro Bowl nod and will represent the Colts there, uh, injuries permitting, of course, uh, at the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. And the Colts also have a couple of uh, reserves, Joe, that uh, could make the Pro Bowl depending on who has to sit out based on who makes the Super Bowl, who has injuries, whatnot. Yeah, DeForest Buckner, no surprise there. Zaire Franklin, it'd be nice to see him get in. My boy! That's right, I'm sure he'd get a nice little bonus or something if that was in his contract. Stephon Gilmore, who I think deserves to be on the normal Pro Bowl roster, not an alternate. Yannick Ngakwe and Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that one Pro Bowl slot for the Colts could turn into a few more. Yeah, we'll no, see. No, no Grover Stewart. I mean, my yeah. goodness. It, it, it's difficult because he's just that nose tackle that just everyone wants and no one appreciates. But I tell you, if I'm, if I'm ranking Colts Pro Bowlers, to me, he's one. He he's the one that that by his play deserved it. It's too bad. And on Quentin, yeah, it, 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 it's it's. I think this is one where you get in by your reputation. I think Quentin start, has started playing better. I think he's sort of leveled out and he's, and he's playing pretty well. But this is one to me to where players start voting and they say, "Yeah, Quentin Nelson." And what 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 will be true and it'll be true with a lot of players through their careers is. Let's say after ten years and Quentin's made ten straight Pro Bowlers, Pro Bowls, no one's going to remember that number five. He was just so so. Right. So so good for him. Good for him. And and that this is the way the Pro Bowl works. A lot of it is recognition. A lot of times you make it a year when you shouldn't, and a lot of times you don't make it because you haven't made it before. But good for Quentin. I mean, it's just just good for Quentin. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like Anthony Costanza who had 10 solid years, and like you're behind a guy like uh, Jonathan Ogden maybe at the beginning uh, of your career, and then somebody else like Rodney Stanley at the end of your career who's making Pro Bowls left and right. So like if you get if you get uh, locked up behind uh, one of the elite players, then it's like, oh, well, sorry about that, and you're, you're still a really good player, but uh, nevertheless, you don't have those Pro Bowls on your resume. Quentin does, and, and like Chap said, congrats to him. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. We'll get to the Colts injury report, and it's actually a little uh, light uh, discussion this week because the Colts did not send out a uh, practice report after Wednesday. I double-checked on Twitter, double-checked my email, and it was not there. Uh, So that's uh, where we are right now. We'll have to wait for Thursday's practice report to come out, and you can find it online on Twitter. You can follow us at Colts Blue Zone for updates like that and other news and notes throughout the week. Um, Jonathan Taylor's already out. We know that. Uh, placed on injured reserve with his ankle injury. Uh, after that, we'll kind of have to just keep our eyes open and see what comes of these next couple days. I assume Kenny Moore's probably not going to play. We'll see. He's at least been walking around the locker room now without a boot. Uh, so, like, he, he's certainly made progress from week to week, but I don't know if that progress is to get him all the way back. So you got to look at him, look at Brandon Faison. Um, I, he just had an illness, I think, last yes. week. So you would hope that he's back from that illness. Uh, Dallas Flowers got some of his his first defensive snaps, actually, in uh, in, in relief. 
uh, of those two just this past week, who's had a heck of a season on special teams, uh, proven that he can certainly return kicks with the best of them. Uh, also got those first, uh, first, like I said, defensive snaps. So we'll see what happens there throughout the week. As for the Chargers, uh, they have already ruled out all pro left tackle. I'm already talking about uh, pro bowl left tackles. Rayshon Slater, who's out for the season. All pro cornerback J.C. Jackson is out for the season. Uh Joey Bosa on the edge is close to returning from injured reserve Joe, but not quite designated to return yet. If he's able to come back, that's immediately a very scary pass rusher that the Chargers add to what's already a pretty good pass rush. Yeah, there was reports that the team was hopeful he'd be able to return to practice last week. He was not. We'll see if he's able to get out there. And, you know, someone who I, I don't think he's played since week three, with that groin injury, someone who hasn't played in that long, they might need a week or two of practice before they're able to return, and the Chargers have their sights set on the postseason, so I don't think they're going to rush him back. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Another one to keep an eye on is Derwin James. He's missed the last couple of games. Um, he might be able to return for this one as well. So very questionable, but two high-impact defenders. I was going to say, all, all those players that we mentioned are Pro Bowl guys, like every single one of them, some of them all pros, like you said. I mean, and a lot of them are young guys too. So that that's a, that's a core group of players that you're expecting to be major contributors to your team. And even without their contribution to the Chargers right now, uh, are eight and six. And like you said, really gunning uh, for the playoffs, which would be a wild card berth with the Chiefs uh, well in control right now uh, of the uh, of the AFC West. Uh, this game is an 815 kickoff Monday night game broadcast on ESPN, as all Monday night football games are. Uh, the Chargers are coming in off back to back wins over Tennessee and Miami, but weren't that impressive wins. Uh, they were a little grinding it out which hey for playoff teams sometimes you have to grind out some games like they're they're scoring 17 they're scoring 23 points but hey uh, they're, they're they're not uh, apologizing joe for wins well and that's what they've really done all year their yeah. last seven games have been decided by one score so they've they've found a way to win these close games um kind of the opposite of what the colts have been able to do so <laughs> far although it helps quite a bit when you have a a if not elite, close to elite quarterback. And all, well, he has maybe the best arm in the NFL right now, which belonged to Aaron Rodgers for years and years. You know, you, you could certainly make the argument right now that Justin Herbert, if he's not at the same level, chap, is just a step below maybe the best of the best because, boy, you, you look at this young kid and what he can do with his arm, and it, it, the talent is, is rare, and he's got some good weapons out there to throw to, but but he, the, the Chargers have their guy. They don't have to worry about quarterback, unlike half the NFL right now. All you do is put on the last or that that the last whatever it was twenty seconds of the Tennessee game where that game's going overtime. It is just going overtime. He extends the play and throws that rope down the field. And we always talk, you know, how Chris Ballard says it's not about one guy. Well, when you got that one guy, when you're a team that's got one of those whatever it is, six or seven or eight quarterbacks, you got a chance. Every game, every play. I go back to the, the the playoff game against Buffalo with Josh Allen. He made three or four plays that were just ridiculous, just ridiculous. And here are the Colts are asking their quarterback to make plays that are just so mundane and normal. But that guy gives you the chance, and that's why it, it's – but at some point, you know, with, with Justin Herbert, at some point they need to cash in on having a young quarterback like this, and thus far they really haven't. I like what they've done, but there's, it's like well, injuries right now are just are just killing them, just decimating them. But I tell you, you love watching this guy play, and that's why when we get to the, 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 the players to watch and the trends and all that, the Chargers are going to score points because that's what they do. Uh, they are 12th in the league in yards, second in passing, and 31st in rushing. So they're definitely uh, – they, they know their strength – and they really stick to it. They they air it out quite a bit. And with that, they have the sixth fewest turnovers in the league, too. So Herbert's taking care of the ball at the same time as, as letting it rip uh, so often that he does. On defense, uh, Chargers do have one of the... Uh, it's certainly in the maybe the bottom quartile, we will say, uh, of the NFL. There units. You, you got it in there. It's, every it's week. Kind of, say the word. Every we, week we, you got we, we it. We need a little dinger when you 20, say the word. 
25th in point. I'll, I'll tell you guys. Uh, I, I am in the bottom quartile of the last quartile of people you ever want to see at a Colts game if you're a Colts fan. So uh, I apologize immediately uh, for, for if you see me this weekend. Actually, you won't. You, you won't go to the game? No, I will not be at the game. So you got I that just, going I, for you. I just said they probably have somebody at the gate saying, uh, n- not tonight, sir. Mr. Griffiths, uh, you're going to have to turn around. Uh, sorry about that. We have revoked your credential. Uh, this is coming straight from Mr. Ursay. So so goodbye. Uh, the, the Chargers are 25th in points allowed this year. They're allowing 24 points per game. Um, 11th against the pass, 28th against the run. Uh, so once again, I mean, there's a, a team that struggles against the run and you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor out there. So you, you're like, well, can Deion Jackson, can uh, Jordan Wilkins, can Zach Moss take advantage of this this team against the run? We'll see about that. They're 13th in takeaways. They have 18 on the season. Uh, so that's just the uh, the brief rundown of the uh, Chargers offense and defensively players to watch. Uh, Joe, it begins with Justin Herbert. We've talked about him a little bit, but but the numbers that he's put up er- early in his career are, are some of the best that the NFL has ever seen. Yeah, he broke Andrew Luck's record for most passing yards uh, in a player's first three seasons. And I think Luck had previously broken the record that was held by Peyton Manning. So surpassed a couple of Colts on that one. He's also the first player, Herbert, that is, in NFL history to pass for over 4,000 yards in each of his first three professional seasons. Uh, having another stellar year, 21 touchdown passes, nine interceptions, obviously surpassed 4,000 yards, 67% completions. And he's done a lot of this without his main weapons. Uh, Keenan Allen was injured earlier in the year with a hamstring that just kind of lingered. He missed really the first half of the season. Mike Williams has been in and out he had an ankle injury um, that took him out for about two or three games and was just able to return within the past couple weeks so what Herbert's been able to done this year has been very impressive given the talent around him left tackle being out his star left tackle being out since I believe week three so he's made the best of what he has around him Chargers have had chap these massive wide receivers it seems like forever I mean Keaton Allen's played there for a long time so so he dates back and before that you know it's Vincent Jackson who's six foot five and just jumping over Malcolm cornerbacks Floyd. Malcolm Floyd's another one yeah like like these guys that are just big human beings and Keaton Allen's not alone I mean he's got Mike Williams right there next to him so you want your best cornerbacks out there which the Colts have not had recently I mean Faison's been hurt Kenny Moore's been out and I mean Kenny being uh, not the largest corner would would have a fight on his hands I'm not going to say he 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 would uh, he, he would be at a significant disadvantage because this all this is Kenny Moore's life and he's made a pro bowl career out of uh, going up against some really good wide receivers but now, I'm not going to go quite as far to say that, but I will say that the Colts could certainly use a great performance from uh, from Stephon Gilmore this weekend and, and whoever lines up at corner if they want to limit what this uh, now healthy duo uh, can do down the field. Well, and, and to help that is how about a pass rush? It, it's crazy. The Colts had, was it seven sacks in Minnesota? Yep, four in the second yeah. half when you're supposed but, to close out games. Four in the half is pretty good. But there, then there were times when a play was to be made and they didn't get pressure on Kirk Cousins and he just stood there and, you know, picked them apart. So that's been been the problem with this Colts pass rush. In, it seems like forever. It comes in bunches, and when it's not there, it's really not there. Not even no sacks, but no pressures. Uh, I, again, I think Quiddy Pays getting his feet under him. We'll see if he's ever that guy that, that you can build defense around, I you know, I'm not sure, but Ngakwe's had such a such a strange season. It you look at it on double digit sacks, and, and you're thinking, really? I mean, really? So you know, it, it, the one thing that's going to help these 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 DBs against Justin Herbert is either get him on the ground or get in his face and make him move. And I realize he can make plays on the move like he did against Tennessee, but if you let him stand back there and play seven on seven. You'll get depantsed on Monday Night Football, Joe. It's kind of ironic that, uh, in in spite of the Chargers having a one of the worst rushing games in the NFL, thirty first in rushing, as I mentioned earlier, only averaging three point seven yards per carry, they have one of the most productive fantasy running backs in the league this year in Austin Eckler because he does a whole lot of his damage not running the football but catching it out of the backfield. Yeah, ninety five catches. That's fourth in the entire NFL, not just running backs. Um, a PPR monster, and he finds the end zone a lot as well. His 14 total touchdowns tied for most 
in the NFL. So uh, catches and touchdowns are a great fantasy combination, and they've been a good combination for the Chargers this year as well. We'll go to the other side of the ball, and if there is a team when healthy that can get after the quarterback, it's this unit because you have Joey Bosa on one side. I know we haven't we said he hasn't played since week three, but on the other side, you got Khalil Mack, who's been an all-pro four times in his career, has seven sacks. Chap, when you're talking about getting after the quarterback just a few minutes ago, whenever a team can get after the quarterback, you have a chance. So that, that, that gives this Chargers team a chance uh, no matter what happens, and, and we know it's well documented how the Colts have struggled to protect the quarterback. A big storyline of this game, whether Bosa plays or not, will be can the Colts protect Nick Foles long enough to try to air the ball out a little bit and be a more dangerous down-the-field offense? Yeah, we've seen, I, I think that, again, Braden Smith, I think, has really started to play well last half of the season, I think. And I tell you, as much as we've sort of dumped on Bernhard Ryman. I think he's played pretty well. I think he's starting to really get his feet under him and play. It's The problem is with left tackles, when you make a mistake, it's normally a glaring mistake or whatever. But while the Colts have had issues protecting the edges, they've almost had more problems is keeping it firm in the middle, in the interior, whether it's interior pressure, whether it's stunts and blitzes. And not to pile on him because he's out for the season. Jonathan Taylor has had not a good season in blitz pickup. He just hasn't. So hopefully, you know, and Team C that. Team C, you have a problem with that, so I'm sure the Colts will get a test for that. And Deion Jackson and Jordan Wilkins and Zach Moss have got to do their part in pass protection to give Nick Foles a chance to do what they're going to want to do against this Chargers defense. Uh, Chap, I, I think you make a good point about Ryman because he's certainly been better lately. I will add that I have no, I have no shame in dumping on him earlier in the year because he was not playing well. Now, now he's playing better. He absolutely is. Um, the, the time on the field has led to improvement, as I think all of us thought it would. It was just a matter of how long would these growing pains last, and fortunately— And, and, and how bad would the growing pains be? Right, and, and, and early they, they weren't good. Like, he was giving up some bad sacks— he was committing penalties every week. He was going, I think it was two or three weeks in a row, he had a, like illegal man downfield penalty. He was just a little bit too too eager to get going for, for a screenplay or whatever it might be to, to get down the field and do his job. And that's, I like, you, you get that for a rookie, for a third-round pick. You're not expected to, to start right away. But Ryman's been thrust into a position that he has to because the plan for left tackle just completely blew up in the Colts' face. So you're like, well, since uh, since we're here, we might as well put the rookie in there for the rest of the season and see what happens. Well, and to be fair, he was plan B. I mean, it's not like they made several plans to keep him from having to do this. He was plan B, um, and he it, the improvement is exactly what we were hoping for. I remember maybe a month or so ago we were talking about Ryman, and we said if, if he's going to give any hope at holding it down this job going into next year, he needs to show that improvement Week after week, he is doing so. He still needs to improve his anchor, get stronger against the bull rush. Um, but that's kind of to be expected from a guy coming from central Central Michigan, right? So mm-hmm. um, hopefully he can continue to get better and better. And he's got a great test because Cleo Max got one of the best bull rushes in the NFL. Safety Derwin James is a playmaker if he plays for, uh, for the Charger defense. He's been to the Pro Bowl twice. He's been an All-Pro once. Missed the last two games with a quad injury, but has 106 tackles. That is second most on the team. Also four sacks from his safety position. They're not afraid to send him up to the line and blitz you. And and as we we just noted, as Chap just noted, the Colts have had some problems picking up certain blitzes, uh, whether it's up the middle. Communication issues between... Uh, center, right guard, running back, left guard. Somewhere in the in, in the interior, there have been hiccups. And to, to throw in uh, some some running backs who have not played consistently this year into that scenario just uh, just kind of, once again, shows that this this is going to be something that will be on display, I think, this weekend. Can, can the Colts protect up the middle? And on the edges, of course, but can they handle some blitzes up the middle? Because the Chargers occasionally bring those two. And you're worried so much on those edges especially if Joey Bosa plays. You're worried so much about Mac and Bosa that, well, you can't forget the middle, too, because they'll send Derwin James right up there and knock you in the mouth. So, so, so some incredible playmakers on this Chargers team. You, you look at their, their talent, and when they're healthy, they're, they're one of the most talented teams in the league. But 
uh, just to ha- have fallen short for various reasons in, in recent years. Uh, but uh, it, it all it all comes down to the quarterback and uh, that that passing game that is dangerous that uh, they will try to air it out inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Keys to the game as the Colts take on the Chargers this weekend. Monday night football, 8.15 p.m. Joe, you came up with a couple of important factors uh, in the showdown. So what do you got for us? Yeah, I feel like it gets harder and harder week after week to not just say the same old, don't turn the ball over, protect the quarterback. You know, those those things matter. They, and and, and when, when you're not doing them, they matter so much more because it's right there on display for everyone to see. And they do, but they're kind of obvious. I kind of dug for a, a little bit deeper things here. Number one is create big plays, and that's what we've been talking about about with Nick Foles we think that's a major reason why he's been brought in because the hope is he can make bigger plays down the field the Chargers over the last two games both wins over teams who would currently be in the playoffs allowed 4.7 yards per play in their last loss three weeks ago against the Raiders they allowed 6.8 yards per play Raiders were making big plays in that game uh, Devontae Adams they hit their tight end on a big 30 yarder so the Colts need to be able to make these big plays. That's not what they did against Minnesota. 4.3 yards per play is a terrible average. Indy's offense is not good enough to consistently sustain long drives, these double-digit play drives. Give Pierce his shots down the field. Give Pierce a Pittman shots down the field. They ha- The Colts have just four plays of 40-plus yards all season. All season. It's been pathetic. I, I think Jonathan all, all, Taylor— All to, all to uh, uh, Pierce, I believe. I think you're right. I think Taylor ripped off one as well. Did he had he get the one? long run against the Raiders. All right, all right. Well, it was 40 yard. They got three 40 yard passes. Okay. Com- got completions. It. Um, and, and so, and let's get Jelani Woods more involved. It seems like every time he gets an opportunity, he makes big plays. He only had the one catch against Minnesota, and it was what, 36 yards? I said, we were talking about that in the, in the press box in, in Minneapolis in the second half. We're like, do you guys remember any good plays in the first half? And, and I piped up. I said, hey, how about that pass to Jelani Woods? That was a nice one. And everyone was like, I forgot about that completely. Because at that point, it, it was so far in the past that, that it, it just wasn't, wasn't right on the, the tip of the tongue anymore. They had two passes completed of 20-plus yards. Jelani's and then... Um, Granson had a 21-yarder. Take advantage of that. You see those tight ends being able to get down the field, and yet I feel like they stopped targeting their tight ends despite the success. If it's not broke, don't fix it. We talked about how Wood Woods have almost 100 yards against the Steelers and then didn't have a catch until late in the fourth quarter against Dallas the next week. So get your playmakers involved for some big plays down the field because without that, this offense is going to be more of what we've seen all year. Well, one one thing, and go back, and, and I've not gone back and looked at, at all the games, at least the recent games, but if you do, you're going to see opportunities down the field. Guys are open. Guys have been open. And whether the quarterback, Matt Ryan, has not seen it, has felt pressure, not gone there, whatever, the, the, the Colts, are, the, the offensive coaches are convinced there are opportunities, and there have been opportunities, and they've not they've not taken advantage of them. And that's something again. We're you know we're talking three games to go. I, they really want to see how they can do, at least trying those opportunities down the field. Can you guys remember the last time Mo Alley Cox caught a football? He's been used to block. Yeah, that's true. So, like to, to his credit, he he's staying into block and uh, doing better than he's there were earlier the season. Doyle role. Exactly. So, like, I, I said that I asked that question not not to criticize Mo at the time. It was just kind of to to show you that yeah, there there's been some changes in their offensive philosophy in, in recent weeks. But uh, it would be great to see see some more more playmaking down the field. I don't care if it's him because I love seeing Mo run down the field because he's just like this this wild moose charging through <laughs> a field of gazelles that are all like just half his size and hopping and ta- around and, and, and taking business decisions and not wanting to square up and, and, and tackle him. Exactly. Like it's, it's literally one of my favorite things to watch of this Colts team. And it's happened like once this year, I've been very sad not to see it more often. So I would love to see that a little bit more. Joe, your second key to the game. Pressure, Justin Herbert, Herbert's sack uh, average during their wins is 1.8. It's nearly double during their losses at three sacks per game. And this is something that 
the Chargers have kind of allowed recently. Uh, Los Angeles has allowed three or more sacks in their last five straight games. So teams are getting after Herbert. That's why we've seen this offense not put up as many points recently as they could have, just 17 against Tennessee, um, despite their issues with the past in the weeks leading up into that game. Force him into those quick throws rather than let him use that terrific arm with shots down the field to playmakers like Mike Williams. So that's another obvious one, but it's one that's so important if the Colts want to win this game. And then I'll just go ahead and finish us off. The Colts need to finish strong. We finish strong. The Colts finish strong. That's right. That's right. Indianapolis has been outscored 76-3 to in the fourth quarter over their last four games. Nearly 59% of the Colts' points allowed in their four-game losing streak have came in the fourth quarter or overtime. That's the opposite of how you draw it up. Chap, you were making this point in the uh, in the complex the other day. The last four quarters is essentially one full game. And they've given up 500, more than 500 yards and, and the, the 70-some points in, in what amounts to a game. In what amounts to a game, and again, the last two games kind of blow that out of the water with, what is it, 55, 22, and, and 33. And, and, yeah. and 33. But it, it, and, it's, and it's on everybody. It's just on everybody. You, you, you want to give the defense a pass like at Dallas where the defense or the offense just kept turning the ball over. And Dallas said, okay, fine, we'll score. But doggone it, the offense, that it, it just hasn't – it wouldn't have taken much in either game to stop the bleeding with a with a five-minute drive. And, again, that's why, they again, one of the reasons they, got, they had to go away from Ryan is non-efficient not, not play, turnovers. During that four-game stretch, I got all these numbers and they swim in my head. But over these last four games, they're like 30% on third downs, 18 to 59, whatever it is. But that's – you, you know, third down is it, it, it's moving the chains, it's staying on the field, it's keeping your defense off the field. So, it's incredible how we talk about complementary football, how you win complementary football. Well, they're doing, they're showing you can also be complementary and lose. And ex- except for, I, I, I shouldn't say that special teams can really hold its hands up and say, "Ain't us, this, this ain't on us," but offense and defense is really kind of gone down and, and had a major hand in a hand in hand in what's happened the last month. And really a stark contrast to how the Colts played early in this year when their first three wins were all on fourth quarter comebacks and they, they even in the tie they they had a fourth quarter comeback in week 1. So they were they were a strong fourth quarter team. Now now quite quite the opposite is true. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals. And an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Colts are four and a half point underdogs as the Chargers come to Indianapolis for Monday night football over under number uh, from FanDuel set at 45 and a half. So they're expecting something along the lines of a 24 to 20, 25 to 21 ball game right around that range. Um, so we'll do predictions and uh, I, wrote, go- I wrote mine down. So go ahead Good for you. Good for you. Uh, I'll go first. Joe goes second. Uh, Chap goes third. Um, when, when I was, Looking over the Chargers' recent schedule, like like I kind of alluded to earlier, they're, they hadn't impressed me all that much uh, just with their production. But one of you made the good, good point, I think, Joe, it was you, that their last two games against Miami and against uh, the, the Titans are, as of now, teams that would be in the playoffs. So whether that was you or Chap, I forget. But but like you you grind out wins against playoff teams. That that's what you do. You're not always going to win 31 to to 21 or 31 to 17, even if you have an offense that that's as good as as the Chargers. So so for a while, I really was tempted to pick the Colts this week. I was just based on looking at some base numbers, like well, the Chargers aren't doing that much that's impressive right impressive right now. But at the same time, the Colts haven't done anything that's impressive either. And and although I think Nick Foles will be better than uh, than what Matt Ryan was uh, for the last couple weeks, especially for this Colts offense. 
the Chargers ha- have proven that that they can grind out wins, and the Colts right now are doing anything but, especially in the fourth quarter where they're just seemingly giving things away. So, so I'm going to pick the Col- uh, the Chargers uh, this week to get the win. I'm going to go with the final score of 27 to 24. I think it's going to be a closer game, um, and I think the Colts are going to be able to put up some points. Uh, so that so that's my prediction. Twenty seven, twenty four. Chargers uh, able to pull out one on Monday Night Football. Joe, what you got? And then Chap will wrap us up. Nick Foles is interesting. It's one of those where does he come in and kind of give the team a spark, something different, um, or does he come in and as someone who hasn't practiced with the ones all year, have some mistakes? He made that point. It was like looking forward to to playing with the ones, as Chap said earlier today. And I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I mean, I can see him having two or three touchdown passes, but also a couple picks as well. I'm going to take the Chargers just because I think they're playing really good football as of late. They seem to be making a push. And if they can get uh, James or Bosa back, heaven forbid both, uh, this defense will get a boost as well. So I'm going to go L.A. 27-17. Chap, what you got? Yeah, I've been going back and forth. I, I I would like to say that Foles will you, you'll get that boost, you'll get that sugar high with him playing. And you know, I I initially had the Colts like twenty seven twenty four, but I, I I can't trust the team. I I can't trust there is as we've said, and it's so hard to put your finger on. It really is. This team is broken. It, it's broken to its core. And it's it it finds ways to lose, and I've got thirty twenty Chargers. Uh, if there wasn't so much else going wrong, like if JT was playing, I, I would feel better. But I just they give me no reason to think that. Hey, this week on Monday Night Football, they're going to show everybody. You know, we're not quite as bad. We're not a bunch of bumpkins like we've shown. I got 30-20 Chargers, and I just don't. They, they've given us no reason to believe that they've got a closing kick, even with a new quarterback. So that'll wrap us up here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We do encourage you all to stay safe this holiday weekend as the uh, snowstorm ravages through uh, the Midwest. I told my three-year-old daughter there's going to be a snowstorm this week, and now she's been saying that. I told her like once, and now she's all, f- not freaking out, but she's like, Daddy says there's gonna be a snowstorm like this week. So I like I say the word storm and, and that is like imprinted on her. So if you're out there, just be careful moving around from place to place if you need to. Uh hunker down, listen to uh listen to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Yeah, well well you guys already have if you made it this far through it. So we do appreciate you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Mike Chapel is at mchapel 51 You can read all his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Joe Hopkins here as well. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Dave Griffiths. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.